Calvin's Commentary on the Epistle to the Hebrews Chapter 12, verses 1-3 through 3. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. 1. Wherefore, seeing we also, etc., This conclusion is, as it were, an epilogue to the former chapter, by which he shows the end for which he gave a catalogue of the saints who excelled in faith under the law, even that every one should be prepared to imitate them. And he calls a large multitude metaphorically a cloud, for he sets what is dense in opposition to what is thinly scattered. Had they been a few in number, yet they ought to have roused us by their example. But as they were a vast throng, they ought more powerfully to stimulate us. He says that we are so surrounded by this dense throng that wherever we turn our eyes, many examples of faith immediately meet us. The word witnesses I do not take in a general sense, as though he called them the martyrs of God, and I apply it to the case before us as though he had said that faith is sufficiently proved by their testimony so that no doubt ought to be entertained. For the virtues of the saints are so many testimonies to confirm us that we, relying on them as our guides and associates, ought to go onward to God with more alacrity. Let us lay aside every weight or every burden, etc., As he refers to the likeness of a race, he bids us to be lightly equipped, for nothing more prevents haste than to be encumbered with burdens. Now, there are various burdens which delay and impede our spiritual course, such as the love of this present life, the pleasures of the world, the lusts of the flesh, worldly cares, riches also and honors, and other things of this kind. Whosoever, then, would run in the course prescribed by Christ must first disentangle himself from all these impediments, for we are already of ourselves more tardy than we ought to be, so no other causes of delay should be added. We are not, however, bidden to cast away riches or other blessings of this life, except so far as they retard our course, for Satan by these, as by toils, retains and impedes us. Now, the metaphor of a race is often to be found in Scripture. But here it means not any kind of race, but a running contest, which is wont to call forth the greatest exertions. The import of what is said, then, is that we are engaged in a contest, even in a race the most celebrated, that many witnesses stand around us, that the Son of God is the umpire who invites and exhorts us to secure the prize, and that therefore it would be most disgraceful for us to grow weary or inactive in the midst of our course? 
And at the same time, the holy men whom he mentioned are not only witnesses, but have been associates in the same race, who have beforehand shown the way to us. And yet he preferred calling them witnesses rather than runners, in order to intimate that they are not rivals, seeking to snatch from us the prize, but approvers to applaud and hail our victory. And Christ also is not only the umpire, but also extends his hand to us and supplies us with strength and energy. In short, he prepares and fits us to enter on our course, and by his power leads us on to the end of the race. And the sin which doth so easily beset us, or stand around us, etc. This is the heaviest burden that impedes us, And he says that we are entangled in order that we may know that no one is fit to run except he has stripped off all toils and snares. He speaks not of outward, or, as they say, of actual sins, but of the very fountain, even concupiscence or lust, which so possesses every part of us that we feel that we are on every side held by its snares. Let us run with patience, etc., By this word, patience, we are ever reminded of what the Apostle meant to be mainly regarded in faith, even that we are in spirit to seek the kingdom of God, which is invisible to the flesh, and exceeds all that our minds can comprehend. For they who are occupied in meditating on this kingdom can easily disregard all earthly things. He thus could not more effectually withdraw the Jews from their ceremonies than by calling their attention to the real exercises of faith by which they might learn that Christ's kingdom is spiritual and far superior to the elements of the world. 2. Who for the joy that was set before him, etc. Though the expression in Latin is somewhat ambiguous, yet according to the words in Greek, the apostle's meaning is quite clear. For he intimates that though it was free to Christ to exempt himself from all trouble and to lead a happy life, abounding in all good things, yet he underwent a death that was bitter and in every way ignominious. For the expression for joy is the same as instead of joy. And joy includes every kind of enjoyment. And he says, set before him, because the power of availing himself of this joy was possessed by Christ, had it so pleased him. At the same time, if anyone thinks that the preposition anti denotes the final cause, I do not much object. Then the meaning would be that Christ refused not the death of the cross because he saw its blessed issue. I still prefer the former exposition. But he commends to us the patience of Christ on two accounts, because he endured a most bitter death, and because he despised shame. He then mentions the glorious end of his death, that the faithful might know that all the evils which they may endure will end in their salvation and glory, provided they follow Christ. So also James Ye have heard of the patience of Job, and ye know the end. James 5, verse 11. Then the apostle means that the end of our sufferings will be the same with those of Christ, according to what is said by Paul, 
If we suffer with him, we shall also reign together. Romans 8.17 3. For consider him, etc. He enforces his exhortation by comparing Christ with us. For if the Son of God, whom it behooves all to adore, willingly underwent such severe conflicts, who of us should dare to refuse to submit with him to the same? For this one thought alone ought to be sufficient to conquer all temptations, that is, when we know that we are companions or associates of the Son of God, and that He, who was so far above us, willingly came down to our condition in order that He might animate us by His own example. Yea, it is thus that we gather courage which would otherwise melt away and turn, as it were, into despair. This audio recording was read by Michael Ives. I hope you found it enlightening and edifying. Visit westportexperiment.com for more audio resources and where I write about parish missions, the care of souls, and all things Reformed.